Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. When Western Union sent their first halftone photograph over telephone lines in 1921, it wasn't the first time the world had seen photos sent by phone. The same holds true for the boom in the travel trailer industry in the 1930s. Many had already been there, seen that. This, and many other examples, is true because of the exploits of one Tom Swift, the heroic young adult prodigy created by writer and publisher Edward Stratemeyer. In Tom Swift and His Photo Telephone, The idea of sending pictures by telephone predates the actual invention by 13 years. Similarly, Tom Swift and his wizard camera, featuring a portable movie camera, was 11 years ahead of its time. And one more for good measure, Tom Swift and his diving sea copter, which sounds like science fiction today, but came true with the creation of the Flying Submarine, produced by the Department of Defense four years after the book was published. Either Edward Stratemeyer was actually a genius, or he had friends in all the right places. Whatever the case, reading any Tom Swift novel became like seeing the future, albeit in the hands of a stalwart 16-year-old hero. Stratemeyer modeled Tom Swift after some of the best inventors of the era, such as Thomas Edison and Henry Ford. And while some people may have seen Swift's toys and gadgets as outlandish, maybe even impossible, history shows us that he was something of a visionary— In fact, more than a few scientists and engineers have cited Swift as an inspiration for their own works. But there is one Tom Swift invention that took a bit longer to formulate. When pressed with the imprisonment of his friends in the African savanna, Swift unleashed his new gizmo, the electric rifle. Never mind the fact that in this same book, his airship is called the Black Hawk, which is now a very recognizable military helicopter name. Tom's electric rifle is a Swiss army of lethal and non-lethal tricks and widgets. It can shoot through walls without leaving a hole. It can stop a charging whale, because apparently whales openly charge ships. And it could even simply light up the night with a hovering, glowing ball to make it easier to see and stop more rampaging animals in the dark. Given the implausibility of this rifle, though, it's understandable why some aspiring inventors may have simply picked up a different Tom Swift novel and tried that instead. Putting wheels on a home? Sure. Portable cameras? That's easy. But creating an electric rifle that can stop a whale? Well, that's something else. Enter Jack Cover, a NASA contractor, scientist, and physicist. As a child, Cover, like so many of his peers, found inspiration in the adventures and inventions of Tom Swift. For Cover, it was the electronic rifle that claimed his attention the most, and it quickly became the apple of his scientific eye. This apple, like many that fell from the Tom Swift tree, would revolutionize the world it landed in. This time, the world of law enforcement, which hadn't seen this kind of innovation since the introduction of fingerprinting in 1902. In 1970, Cover developed the first working model, and by 2011, it had made the rounds to more than 15,000 law enforcement agencies in the U.S. Of course, at some point in development, Cover had created a brand name for his product, as all good companies tend to do. He wanted to call it the Thomas A. Swift Electronic Rifle, but that was a bit of a mouthful. So instead, 
He just went with the initials. Taser. These days, when two people are at odds, they have a number of peaceful ways to handle their conflict. They could talk it out or go through a mediator to help them solve their problems. The fact is, we've come a long way from the days when settling a grudge meant walking to the middle of a field, taking 10 paces, and then firing a gun at the other person. But for hundreds of years, duels were an everyday part of life. During the medieval era, knights, squires, and other offended parties would take up swords against each other in battle for honor. The losing side was then executed if they didn't die during the fight. Later on, duels evolved. They were seen as civilized. Yes, civilized outlets for aggrieved individuals so that they wouldn't make scenes in public. A showdown in a private location was preferred to a knockdown dragout fight in the middle of the street. Perhaps no duel is more famous than that one that occurred in July of 1804 between Alexander Hamilton and Vice President Aaron Burr. Hamilton was killed after throwing away his shot, a tragedy that changed the course of history. But there was another duel, albeit a less violent one, that should be equally as well known as the Hamilton-Burr duel. For one, it involved one of the greatest authors who ever lived, Alexander Dumas. Before he introduced us to the Count of Monte Cristo and the Three Musketeers, Dumas worked as a magazine writer and playwright. He was 1825, and the 23-year-old had recently arrived in Paris. He was dining out with his friends at the Palais Royal, a literal royal palace that had been built for a high-ranking cardinal in the mid-1600s. And after the meal, Dumas and his companions headed to the cafe near the palace. He was considered a dandy at the time, and on this night he wore an outfit comprised of a cloak and top boots, which were tall boots with heels that clacked when he walked, this apparently upset a soldier playing billiards nearby, who made a snide remark at Dumas' expense. Alexander didn't take it well. He chose to retaliate by grabbing another cue and disrupting the arrangement of the balls on the table, ruining the man's game. One thing led to another, and Dumas and the other man agreed to a duel, to be held on January 5th a few days later. His friends didn't think it was a good idea. After all, he was a writer, not a fighter. But Dumas wanted to establish himself as a romantic, someone who took action and fought for what he believed in. Plus, it would help him with his stories. He began practicing his shooting in preparation for the duel. He turned out to be a pretty good shot, too. On the day of the showdown, Dumas arrived at the location before the soldier, who did not show up at all. The man had slept in, and so the face-off was rescheduled for the following day. Oh, and their choice of weapons changed, too. No longer would they use guns swords instead. Dumas had some skill as a fencer, but he was more comfortable with a pistol. The next day, both men came to a local quarry to carry out their duel. They hunted for a long while looking for the right spot. It was freezing out, and there was snow on the ground, making the scouting process difficult. Eventually, they found a suitable location, but then came the problem of Dumas' sword. He'd taken his father's sword, which was considerably shorter than the soldier's, he agreed to press on, though, refusing to let anyone else handle it. Dumas removed his coat. At the soldier's request, he also took off his waistcoat and shirt underneath, as well as his suspenders. That last item was probably a bad idea, though, as without them he couldn't keep his pants up. They fell around his ankles, eliciting laughter from the quarry workers standing by. Dumas hoisted them back up and tied the suspenders around his waist like a belt. Angry and humiliated, he jabbed his sword into the man's shoulder, 
The soldier fell backward, startled by how cold the blade was against his skin in the winter air. He yelled immediately, and Dumas was declared the victor. The fight lasted all of a few minutes, and nobody had died. The young author later used his experience as inspiration for key moments in his novels, such as The Three Musketeers. Of course, he was probably smart to leave out the part where his pants fell down, and everyone else laughed. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.